Welcome to another episode of Mastering Love and Life with me, Clifton Brantley. I'm your host. Thank you guys for joining me. Got a good topic for you tonight. Really good topic for you tonight. At least I think it's a good topic. Uh, we're going to find out as we get into it if you like it. But uh, I, I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. So here's the question. What's the first step in creating an amazing marriage or relationship? What's, what's the first step? So as I begin to think about this topic, I was like, man, I wonder what other people think. I wonder what, um, I wonder what the rest of the world thinks is the first step. Because I believe a lot of times what we think is the first step is actually not the first step. And so I wanted to talk about it on this episode. And I did a poll on Facebook. Okay, so let me let me read some of the responses that I that I got. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. If you're watching on Facebook, thank you for watching. Uh, and if you are watching the video as opposed to listening to the actual podcast, uh, share the video with someone. If 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 it's impactful for you, then share it. If it's not impactful, then let me know so I can do some better stuff. All right. But check out some of the check out some of the answers that I got. And these were really good answers, too, by the way. These, these are really good answers. So um, these are these are people answering what's the first step to creating an amazing marriage or, or relationship. Uh, someone said creating a foundation of friendship. Friendship is important. Right. That's that's really important. Uh, someone else said being vulnerable. You, you're not going to have an amazing relationship without vulnerability. That's true. Someone said knowing your partner's love languages. Um, you know, I, I, have a, I, have, I have my own issues with love languages and whatnot. We can, you know, if you've, I don't know if you've ever watched any of my videos on love languages, but if you have not, I encourage you to do so. I think it's good stuff. Um, someone said, be open and honest. You know you're not about to create an amazing relationship if there's no openness and no honesty. That's not going to happen, right? Uh, someone said, be yourself and not your representative. That's good. I like that, right? As a matter of fact, that's pretty close to the correct answer. And then one more, one, one, one more. another person said, create a safe space. You have to create a safe space in your relationships if you're going to elevate them. Like, if it's unsafe, y'all ain't going nowhere, right? All good answers. But here's the thing. I've been doing what I'm doing, you know, um, therapy, not coaching. But I've been working with couples for over a decade. And here's what I found. The thing that is the first determining factor, whether or not someone is going to create an, an amazing relationship, and maybe we need to define amazing, okay? Here's, here, uh, let's define amazing right now. Here's what amazing is. Um, we're well-connected. It's a symbiotic relationship, meaning there's giving and receiving on both sides. Our emotional cups are full. 
And uh, there's a lot of love and a lot of connection. I, you know, made it up on the fly. But that's an amazing relationship. And, oh, we got to add in fun. Because maybe I just described a healthy relationship. But amazing relationship, you got to have fun. Life without fun is, uh, I, I don't want that. Okay. So, um, but in my decade of work, over a decade of work, there's this one thing. Now, I didn't learn this 10 years ago. Uh, I really just came to know this with, within the last, I would say, maybe 12 months. When I say come to know it, meaning this is the thing. When I say, hey, this is, if you don't have this, all the rest of that kind of, you know. So what's the first step? Well, I'm going to read something first. Right, I'm going to read something for you. And then uh, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you what is the very first step in creating an amazing relationship. So uh, one time, there was this lawyer who asked Jesus, he asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus' response to the lawyer's question was relationships. Did y'all know that? Did you know that the Bible is primarily about relationships? So off the bat, if you want to know how to do relationships, it would just make sense to read the Bible. Now, you don't have to, but to me, that makes sense. But let's get to this, this, uh, this first step. So I'm going to read to you the, the exchange between Jesus and the lawyer. He says, uh, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Y'all with me? And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. So here's what Jesus is saying. The lawyer is trying to trip him up. What's the greatest commandment? He says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. He said, that's the greatest commandment. And then he said, the second one is, love your neighbor as yourself. If you do these, you are going to fulfill every other law. How interesting is that? So Jesus said, that uh, loving God is the first step. Or no, I'm sorry. He said it's the greatest commandment. He did not say it's the first step. He said it's the greatest commandment. And then the second is loving your neighbor as yourself. And I agree with that. But watch this. That's what to do. How do I do that? That's where I believe psychology comes in and the work that I do. So, he said, love the Lord your God. And then he said, love your neighbor. And then he said, as yourself. So there are three people or three categories in which we need to have quality relationships, right? Relationship with God, relationship with your, with, with your neighbor, and relationship with yourself. If you're going to have a solid relationship with your neighbor and who fits into the category of neighbor, everybody outside of you and God. They fit into the neighbor category. 
if you are going to have great relationships with your neighbor, you got to have a great relationship with God. But if you're going to have a great relationship with God, you got to fix the relationship with you. He said, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning I got to love me first so that I can love you. And by loving you, you can't love God without loving people, right? That was just for free. That was just side. You can have that. You cannot love God without loving people. But this idea of self-love. Now, when I talk about self-love, I'm talking about love at the appropriate level, the appropriate kind of love, right? I'm not talking about uh, arrogance. Uh, I'm not. I'm not talking about narcissism, right? Nor am I talking about when you think too, thinking too high or thinking too low of yourself. That's not what we're talking about, right? But the first step in you creating an amazing relationship is first fixing the relationship with yourself. Do we spend too much time focused on? what other people are doing, what our partner is doing, like, you know, my spouse getting on my nerves and my spouse not working on their stuff, my spouse not loving me right, not treating me right. Are you loving you right and treating you right? I think it's, I think it's crazy to expect someone else to treat your children better than you do. I think that's crazy. In the same way, it is just as crazy for you to expect somebody to treat you better than you treat you. Like, where's your self-love? So let's dive a little deeper into this, right? Um, we first learn to love in childhood. Right. That's that's what we first that's what we first learn how to love ourselves and how we learn to. That's what we learn how to do life. OK, we learn it in childhood. When you are a child. You don't know, like when you first get to the planet and you start gathering information, because before you get here, you're blank. Right. But when you start gathering information. We don't know whether or not what we're learning is right or wrong. We're just, we're just soaking up information. By the time I learn that what I've learned about love and life is wrong, it is ingrained in me like my personality. Maybe not as permanent, but it feels like it, right? And so I got to do the work to unlearn a lot of the junk that I learned if I want to be the kind of person that has the ability to create an amazing relationship. Yep. So you hear me say this all the time. If you learn it wrong, you will live it wrong. At most human beings, the only reason I'm not saying all human beings because I don't have I don't have research and I want to be accurate. I believe it's all human beings, but most human beings show up to adulthood with issues from childhood. Even if your parents 
were not abusive. And so let me speak to you people real quick who think that, you know, no, my childhood was great. It was perfect. My parents did a great job. Okay. So um, they may have. So your parents may not have been, a, been abusive, but they still were not perfect. Okay. The fact that they were not perfect and the fact that they had never before you showed up raised a you. They, they've never raised a you before. So them not being perfect, being human beings, and never raising a you. And now, even if they raised other siblings, they've never raised a you. It would not, it would not make sense that they would raise you perfectly. They ain't got no manuscript, right? They, they, they don't have instructions, and they're already imperfect with their own issues, so, even if they did, even if they did not abuse you, you did not escape childhood with nothing. So, if you want to look at how to how to you know what what are the steps to creating a an amazing the first thing is fixing you. And this is not something new that I like. I teach this all the time as far as. Um, you know, people, people, uh, you think that you can love your spouse because you have these deep feelings for them. But the reality is you are not going to be able to love your partner more than you love yourself. If you think I'm lying, try it. I, I actually, I, I don't want you to try it because you're going to hurt yourself. You probably already been trying it. I tried it. I tried it my whole life. It wasn't until this marriage that I realized that my wife was not my biggest enemy. I realized that my biggest enemy was my enemy. And the same is true for you. Your biggest enemy will always be your enemy. The biggest enemy lives inside of you, not outside of you. And usually it comes from childhood where you have beliefs about yourself that are not true, that are negative, that are contrary to how God designed you. And you believe them because they're ingrained by the time you were eight. So let me walk through this real quick um, about how children are. So children are egocentric. What that means is they believe the world revolves around them. Okay, they can't process the world any other kind of way. So in a child's world, everything either happens to them or it is caused by them. Right. That's why that's why uh, parents can get divorced and then the child blames themselves. And you like how how you blame yourself for my divorce? It had nothing to do with you. Not according to the child. So like for a five year old. If mom comes home angry. The child thinks I did that. The mom comes home happy. Child thinks I did that. Right? So they are egocentric. Now, you take this egocentric behavior and you interact as an adult with, with, with your, your mind is fully formed and you're interacting with this egocentric person who don't know much about the planet at all because you probably did not take a master, let me, not even a master class, because I don't want to give the image 
of like a course. You did not get a degree. And this would take probably like an eight-year degree class every day, even on the weekend. You did not get a degree in how to be a perfect parent. So, and you didn't get a degree in how to get the messages out of your mind into theirs. So you just use words that you know what they mean and they don't. It only take a few of those to throw this child off and they, you know, when you get to adulthood, you're going to have to come see me. Not because you're on crack, not because you got codependence, not because, you know, like you depressed, but because you've believed a lie. And that's the thing. We show up to we show up to adulthood. Most of us are living out of our lie identity instead of our identity. What's the lie identity? Uh, lie identity. I got this from Dr. Myron Golden. Lie identity is the person you believe you are based on the lies you believed, based on how you were treated. These are not conscious thoughts necessarily that you have, but the way you live your life is based on what you believe about you. Dr. Patrick uh, Wannis says, the law, of the law of deservingness says, um, if you believe, if you subconsciously believe that you deserve something, you can't go without it. Or if you subconsciously believe, it's better explained this way. If you subconsciously believe that you don't deserve something, you can't obtain it. If you get it, you will self-sabotage and push it away. Like, you've heard stories of people winning the lottery. And then within a year, they're broke again. That's not just because of bad money management. It's not. It's because of an inner belief that I don't deserve this. People come into my office all the time. I deserve to be treated better than this, but they never get better. You know why? Because they don't really believe they deserve it. I promise you, if you believed that you deserved to be loved a certain way, you would not. It would be impossible for you to accept it any other way. The transgender people, you cannot convince them they are not what they believe they are because they believe it and they live that way. Their, their whole persona lines up with the belief. Okay, So your beliefs matter. But see, a lot of us showed up from childhood with a lie identity. And what I want to encourage you to do is to embrace your identity. Well, to do that, first you got to, you got to, you got to, first you got to, you have to address the lies that you know you're believing. That's the first thing. There are some lies that you know you're believing. Like, I'm not good enough. Like, you know you think that. That's a lie. You, if it's not a lie, I would like for you to prove it right now. I know you can't prove it to me because I can't hear you. Like, there's no interaction between us. But go talk to your spouse. Prove to them that you're not good enough. Like, you can't prove that you're not good enough because it's not true. Not good enough for what, by the way? It's a question I ask people sometimes. What do we human beings have to do to deserve love? 
What do we have to do to deserve to be loved? Here's the answer. Be alive. That's it. Treat people well? Nope. Not be a murderer? Nope. Not be a child molester? Uh, unfortunately, no. I say unfortunately because that's my, th- I like, I, you know, I don't like folk who hurt children, but um, if they're human being, they deserve love. Every homeless person under the bridge deserves to be treated like a human being. You can't just go downtown and shoot a homeless person in the head and just be, why? Because they have value, the same value you have. I ain't talking about on your job, I'm talking about in life, right? So these lies that you have, you know, I'm not good enough, that's a lie. I'll never, I'll never be successful. It's a lie. Well, I hope it's a lie. If you make it into a lie, like you got to do some stuff. Um, so, so, so that's the first thing you got it. You, you have to get rid of your, your, your lie identity, the lies that you know you are telling yourself. And then there are some lies that you don't know you're telling yourself. Yeah. There's some that you, you don't know that you're telling yourself. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you need to get over or deal with. Let, that's a better word. Deal with so that uh, you can become the person that can create an amazing relationship. Uh, so I talked about, you know, you got to deal with the I'm not good enough. Like, you have to deal with that. That belief will sabotage your entire life. It will sabotage your entire life. You got to deal with that. Okay? Um, when I say embracing your identity instead of your lie identity, here's what I mean. Um, the things that you first, first the things you were outright told that affected you. You got to deal with that, right? Like, like, who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you had to be perfect? Who told you to have confidence in your looks and your money? Who told you that all you were good for is to be abused? Who told you it's your job to help everybody? Um, when after Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, God came, the Bible says that God came walking in the cool of the day, right? And he's calling for Adam. Adam, bro, where you at? Like, it's time for us to fellowship. Adam comes out, he says, I hid. Why you hide? Because I was naked. Wait a minute. God said, Who told you you were naked? That ain't the name I gave you. I called you Adam. You say you're naked. Where'd you get that from? Right? Stop believing lies about you that God never said about you. But that's just about what folk told you. There are some lies that you have about you that were not spoken to you, but because of the way you were treated, You've come to believe that's what you deserve. How do I know? Because you're still you're still allowing it to happen. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still allowing folk to talk to you crazy without boundaries. 
You're still allowing people to use you. You're still getting angry at every little thing. You still believe you're a failure because of you 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 made a you made an F on this big test in fifth grade. And your mom beat you, right? And because you're a child, you made up all these beliefs, and now you believe you'll never be successful. It's a lie. You got to get away from the lies, right? So um, I want to I want to talk about let me talk about identity for a little bit, and then uh, maybe we'll continue in another episode. So embracing your identity, who are you? If, if, so when you first get to the planet, your identity is formed, so to speak, so you think, let's put it that way, so you think by your environment and the people around you, right? Based on how you're raised, that's who you think you are. Based on how they treat you, that's who you think you are. But when you become an adult, uh, you need to get your identity from the one who created you. You feel me? You need to get your identity from the one who created you, so you go to the word. Now, let me tell you about who you are, okay? And I'm, I'm going to give you this framework. It's kind of like, um, like the beginning pieces, and then you go do your own digging and research, and you, you, you discover who God created you to be. Can you do that? Because I want you to create amazing relationships with everybody, your wife, your husband, your children, boss, everybody, right? But the key is you. So let's talk about this. So, so in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, here's what it says. This is amazing to me. Okay, here's what it says. I knew you, knew is past tense, okay? I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I, wait a minute. Don't make sense. How did you know me before you formed me? How did you call me before you formed me? I don't, how you do that? Got to go back to Genesis to understand this concept. So the Bible says, Genesis 2, um, when he formed the man, I actually think it's Genesis 1, in Genesis, he he formed the man from the dust of the ground. And then he blew the breath of life into his nostrils and man became a living soul. Okay, say it again. Say it slow. And then I'm going to teach it to you. Formed him from the dust of the ground. Blew the breath of life into his nostrils. And then man became a living soul. Why did man become a living soul? Because God blew the spirit into the body. So there's these three parts of us. Okay, let's talk about the the Trinity of man, just like the Trinity of God, but the Trinity of man. 
So remember this, I am a spirit. I have a, I have a soul. I live in a body, right? I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And when I say soul, soul and mind are one and the same. So when he's talking to Isaiah, the part that he formed, so here's what gets formed based on what we just read in Genesis. Well, what I just quoted in Genesis. The soul is formed by your social environment. The body is formed in the womb. But the spirit is not formed. The spirit is created. What does it mean to create something? To create something means to uh, bring something out of nothing. In the beginning, God created, right? So when God blows the breath of life into the cadaver that became Adam, that part was eternal. So when God tells Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you, he's saying, when you were still in me, that's when I called you. Shut, shut, shut the front door. That's good for me. I'm going to say it again. The part of me that God created was in him in the beginning. And, and my soul is formed. My body is formed. But my spirit, the essence of who I am, is created. That's why I will never die. Your body will die, but your spirit will never die. It's eternal, just like God. So here's the thing. As you start working on this identity piece, understand who you are at your core is who God created you to be. Not what your mind tells you, not what your body tells you, but what your spirit tells you. Now, watch this. A lot of folk don't listen to the spirit. So let's talk about these three real quick. Uh, because all three of these give you a certain kind of consciousness, right? A certain kind of consciousness. So, so, um, so your, body, your body makes you world conscious. Okay? Your body connects you to the world because... Uh, we got these five senses, right? So your five senses allows your body, it makes you world conscious. Your soul makes you self-conscious. I think, therefore, I am, right? Your, your, your soul makes you, you, you self-conscious. I know who I am. I know that I am a person. I know that I'm alive. I know that I'm speaking, right? That's soul conscious. But then your spirit makes you God conscious. So your spirit is the only part of you that connects with God. So when God speaks to you, he does not speak to your mind. He does not speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit. And Dr. Uh, 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 what's his name? Wayne Malcolm. He says that God has already spoken everything into your spirit, spirit, 
everything into your spirit, every answer that you will need, he's already spoken it into your spirit. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it makes sense. He's eternal. Your spirit's eternal. That's possible. You just got to tune into the spirit to get the information from that. I mean, you know, I don't know. That's a whole different theological examination that I'm not doing today, but I do know I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And when you get those three confused, you will think you are your body. So if you're overweight like me, you're not going to like you. If you got an issue with overweight, right? If you got dark, 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 dark skin and folk, you get bullied in school, you gonna, you're not going to like you. If you don't believe that your mind works quick enough, people call you stupid, you're not going to like you especially as a child, because you don't know that you're actually a spirit. Here's the thing about your spirit. Because it's not formed by anything here on the planet, nothing on the planet can change it. So who God created you to be, who he's ordained you to be, the only person, the only thing, the only obstacle stopping you from being that is you. It's, it's not your mama, it's not your daddy, not your brother, not your sister. But it's you that's keeping you from being great. It's you that's keeping you from being your authentic and best self. So what I want to challenge you to do is to tap more into your spirit so that's the reason. Do you, so that's the reason why the Bible says, if you walk after the spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. A lot of times your spirit isn't strong because you don't feed it. Right. You, you pray. But then so if, if let's let's imagine God is a is a radio station. And he's constantly broadcasting messages to you. Your spirit is your antenna. When you pray, God answers every time. God does not ignore us. But, but some of you got your antennas buried under a lot of junk, so you can't hear from God. You're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, and you still get no direction. It's because you're not feeding your spirit. So your spirit is weak, and it's like, like we can't hear from God. I want to encourage you to change that. If you want to be the person that has the ability to create an amazing relationship, you got to do the work of becoming the person God created you to be. Like, that has to be your mission. Otherwise, uh, like, life for you going to suck on this planet. Because all, all we do here are, are relationships. That's it. Relation, life without relationship is not life. It's something else. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's not life. Okay. So, so uh, let me knock on a few, few more people doors real quick. If you're one of those people say, you know, uh, I don't like being around people. Uh, you have an identity issue. I'm a loner. 
you have an identity issue. Why do I say that? Because we're human beings. We are social creatures. While all human beings are not the same, at a certain level, all human beings are the same. All of us thrive on love. All of us cannot thrive without relationship. He designed it that way. In the beginning, he said it's not good for man to be alone. It's so much in that statement when he said that. So much. So, continuing to knock on doors. Um, if you avoid your mother's phone call because you have difficulty telling her no, you got an identity issue. Yep. Um, if you are spending all of your money every single time you get it and you're grown and you got bills to pay and you're struggling, but you shouldn't be, it's an identity issue. Now, it may not look like it, but at the core, you're operating different than how God designed you. So it's an identity issue. Okay. If if you are depressed, I know that's a big one. Folk like, you know, it's so interesting to me. People will fight you to hold on to their dysfunction. But if you're depressed, identity issue. Anxiety, identity issue. Okay. Um, and I, I hope this helps you. I hope this helps somebody. Right. I hope this helps you. Stop looking on the outside of you and start looking on the inside so that you can begin to change the things about you that matter. For, so first, you can enjoy your life. And let me let me let me let me say this, because uh, someone may have misunderstood what I said earlier. So the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, my soul, strength. Then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Say, so loving God is the first commandment. The reason I said you have to fix the relationship with you first you cannot walk that scripture out if you're not good with you because you won't see God correctly. This I know because I lived it. For so long, I believed the things that the Bible said. I just didn't believe God would do them for me because of how I saw me, which, which, which then indirectly affected my relationship with him. Some of you don't pray. It ain't because, so you think God won't hear you, but that's because of an identity issue that you have. God says, I'm, I, 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 I am the Lord God. I do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Like, I ain't changed. So, that's, so, so if you don't fix the relationship with you, you're not going to be able to see God correctly. And you're not going to be able to love people authentically okay all right so i do hope and um hope i guess hope and wish is the same thing right i do hope and wish and and pray that these kind of things do get in and you don't dismiss as ah oh, i thought he's gonna tell us some you know uh, tell me how to control my partner or tell me how to fix them they are not your issue your issue is you. Always have been. Always will be. Last year, 
um, you know, I've, I've, said, I've told this story before. I'm not going to tell the story, I'm just tell the end part. Uh, last year was the most difficult year of my marriage. But it is also the year that I grew more than any other year that I can think of. And by me growing, my marriage got dramatically better because I began to address my identity issues. And I began to pull back from finger pointing at her identity issues because I'm a therapist and I can see them. But I, I start looking at my own stuff. I'm encourage you to do that too. Y'all take care. And I hope you guys will join me on another episode of Mastering Love and Life. Okay? Y'all take care. <laughs>